also, you're ugly, but if you buy my makeup, you can finally be beautiful. Oh, and you're dumb, but if you spend millions of dollars on education, you can finally have a shot at being successful. And your face is messed up, but if you get plastic surgery, it can finally be symmetrical. And you're lonely and unlikable, but if you buy my course, you can learn how to get women to love you. So many industries depend on our self-hatred and insecurity. It's become natural to think that there's always something wrong with us. You need a college degree, a washboard set of abs, a beautiful partner, an attractive face, and only then will you be happy. Otherwise, your life will suck. Take this mindset to the extreme and it leads to people in society who are broken, people who snap, people who crack. It fuels communities like incel culture. It leads some people to become violent and bitter. It leads others to depression and anxiety. It enables characters like the Joker to become real. What about the societal issues that enable mental illness to grow like a tumor to begin with? In the following conversation, my friend and I talk about self-hate as if it's something that you should strive for. Yes, we were being sarcastic at points, but we were also surprised at the amount of truth in what we were saying. We're not advocating self-hate and we're not making light of mental illness. This guide to self-hatred is in many ways meant to show you what not to feel or what not to do. This conversation helped us realize a lot of beliefs that came so naturally to us. By now you may have noticed that I have a slight lisp and that's because I recently got braces. So I'm going to bring on a couple of production assistants to help me narrate the rest of the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Rosie. And I'm Billy. We're very excited for this opportunity. We never thought we'd get to make an appearance on the show, and we hope this isn't the last you'll hear from us. Agreed. For now, let's start the episode. Sit back, relax, and learn how to hate yourself like an expert. I mean, it's true, man. I do think there's something to be said for this this whole conversation, right? Like, what the hell is wrong with people that they think they can be happy? I think what a lot of people need to understand is that happiness is the enemy here. And if you want to learn how to properly hate yourself, there are certain steps you need to take. I feel like people love themselves way too much, especially nowadays with Instagram and social media. People are just looking for an excuse to love themselves. I mean, hating myself is, well, one of the best qualities about me. For me, um, self-hatred was easy because as a kid, I moved around so much. So I was always the new kid. It was always pretty easy to hate myself and question myself. Like, oh, like there's definitely something really wrong with me because I don't have any friends the first day of school. I actually like that about quarantine because I can just reminisce on the past and how terrible it is and how shitty of a person I've been for a long time. What do you think is so good about hating yourself? At a certain point, it becomes like a drug. The same reason why maybe cigarettes, the first time you smoke a cigarette, it doesn't particularly taste good, but you learn to love that. Mm physical and emotional damage that you're doing to yourself. It's definitely an acquired taste. And now that you mentioned cigarettes, I think that's something I really hate about myself. I started smoking cigarettes freshman year of college because somebody offered one to me and we're sitting in a little circle. Yeah. And I didn't want to be the only kid that wasn't smoking a cigarette. I just did it. And I did it with these new people who I just met. Lesson number one. So that's, I think one of the first steps is allowing people to pressure you into situations that you wouldn't normally engage in. Yeah, it's part of hating yourself. You allow the people around you to dictate your identity. I think that's that's mm. so key. Your self-worth needs to be based on what other people think of you. I mean, I cared so much about what they thought about me that I was going to smoke a cigarette. 
Right. So why'd you start smoking weed? I actually had a friend, my buddy Scott, and he started smoking weed from a very early age. And How early? Eighth grade, which oh. I would consider pretty early. <laughs> In ninth grade, we started hanging out and he, was, he would tell me, he's like, oh, I go smoke weed every day with these kids. <laughs> we just do it after school. Yeah. Me at the time, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? You're doing drugs. You did drugs. The funniest part is that I threatened to go tell the drug counselor. I said, you know, I'm going to go tell the drug counselor that you're smoking weed. And what did he say? He freaked out. He was like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's just weed. I'm just getting high. So then how long after that were you threatened to tell the drug counselor? Did you start smoking weed for yourself? Uh, A year and a half later. What finally convinced you? It was the first beginning of me giving up on being serious. Why so serious? Me sort of giving up on taking everything so seriously, especially myself. Did you not like that about yourself? Yeah, I still don't like that about myself. <laughs> Lesson number two. Mm, I think that's that's important too, is identifying what you don't like in yourself and taking steps to change them, but things that are more destructive. It's like one of those things where if you have a house and the house is in a good shape, there becomes a point where it's like, okay, instead of fixing it up, I'm just going to burn it down and start from the bottom. Whenever there are things you don't like about yourself, instead of trying to improve, just do everything you can to reach rock bottom and then start from there. Sometimes that's easier. Sometimes it's necessary. Maybe that was my thought with cigarettes. I was like, things have been too easy for me or I've made them too easy for myself. Maybe I need to go down and see what it's like on, on the dark side. I think the goal is just to be rebellious. Maybe I have to transcend drugs. Maybe drugs drugs are too easy. So you're going to have to find an alternative. What do you think that could be? Is there anything that you've been toying around with? Any other method of hating yourself? Yeah, there, there actually is. You know, I've been toying around with doing absolutely nothing with my life and not living up to any kind of potential. Love that I've, to hear it. Yeah. Love to hear it. I mean, what you need to realize, JC, is you don't even have potential. That's what you need to mm. think. There's nothing to reach. You're right. I've been told I have potential, but you know. It's a lie. It's definitely a lie. Because who are the people that tell me that? Educators, my parents. My parents don't even know me. I mean, I've never, I've never believed that they know me. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit about what my dad says. I used to argue a lot and arguing is the worst. It makes people nasty, resentful. And some of that's fun. Like sometimes resentment, very fun. Very you know what the problem with resentment is? You don't want to project any of your hatred for yourself onto other people. You need to save that and put it inward. You need to let it eat you up inside. You know, my question for you is, you were initially a computer science major and you chose to major in philosophy. Why did you make that switch? Because then I would have had to get a job. Because uh, you would have had skills. Right. I don't want skills. Because skills make you useful in the world. And there's nothing worse than being useful and productive. Absolutely. That's a good answer. I'm thinking about right out of college, working a job that nobody wants to work. Nobody would ever want to work. And people only work it because they have to. I mean, it's like bartender, construction. I almost have this thing where I sort of romanticize those kind of jobs and the people that do them because they hate their life, but they also have a lot of fun hating their life. Careful though, because you might fall into what some people call fulfillment. When you see the gleaming building on the New York City skyline that you helped create, don't you think that you run the risk of feeling like you accomplished something? I read a statistic the other day that I think 20% of administrative jobs in businesses and corporations are unnecessary, meaning they're just shuffling around papers. I think you either need to pursue a job like that 
or a job that could easily be replaced by AI in the near future. Mm, that's a really good one. What about the DMV? The great thing about the job like that is that the people coming in also hate you and are right. frustrated. Right. So you're just surrounded in this ecosystem of misery. Mm. Yeah. You have to be careful, though, not to fall into contentment with those types of jobs either. Mm. Don't want to be content. Lesson number three. What I think you need to do is pick one activity that you know you're not going to be good at and try to get good at it, but never succeed. A lot of kids do this. I want to be in the NBA when I grow up. And the great thing about that is they're setting themselves up for disappointment. You need to consistently chase something. If only I had a six pack. If only I had a girlfriend. If only I got all A's this semester, then I'll be happy. Consistently find little things to strive for that make you believe that if you had that one thing, you would be happy. Have you done that in the past? Yeah. I think my biggest example of that is when I thought, oh, I'll be happy if I go to a good school. So I did it. And turns out I wasn't, uh, that wasn't what made me happy at all. This might be the most productive career conversation I think I've had in a really long time. Because when I, when I talk to my dad about careers, the only thing that motivates him is, well, son, I just want you to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) He just doesn't get it. No, not at all. He just doesn't get it. Your father is the enemy here for you at least. He's he what seems like what's holding you back. He wants you to be he wants you to be happy. <laughs> you know what's you know what's really funny? My dad just bought a house. He bought a house in Florida and it still doesn't feel like a home to me and I'll I'll tell you why. He gave the house a name, but not just any name. He calls it his quote happy place. And this is where we go. To him, his house in Florida is a place where he's happy and the only thing he can ever feel is happiness. God. How do you go there and survive? I usually just put my headphones on and don't talk to anybody. Don't let the happiness overtake you. It's it's too much. I mean, does it have natural light? Oh, so much natural light. It's terrible. Pretend you're sick while you're there, so people don't expect you to go outside. Usually, I just say I'm busy with something, right? That's right. But I mean, the reality is you're not doing anything with your <laughs> <No>. life. <laughs> you definitely have forces in your life that are trying to convince you to strive for more, right? And so, how are you gonna? block out those forces and and do what you know is right for you. Part of this is my fault. Actually, all of this is my fault because I could have just gone to a shitty school. I could have not given a shit in high school, probably had a lot more fun. I think about high school way too much. Really? Still four years removed. Yeah. Because I mean, you have to stay in that loop of self-hatred. I mean, why, why give up the past? Lesson number four. You have to ruminate on the past. Always, always. But what parts of high school do you think of? Mostly junior and senior year. And a little bit of sophomore year. I guess sophomore year is when I really started to care way too much. I see. Like I was like, I need to get involved with clubs. I need to do everything I can to look good on paper. Why did I, why was I so cocky to think that I I was better than anybody, even in the smallest regard? You know, let's say, okay, I'm better at this person in writing. Yeah. Who am I to say that? Lesson number five. Whenever you succeed in something, whether it's a good grade or winning an award, anything, you need to attribute that success to a freak accident. Right. It's not because you're talented. It's not because you're destined for success. It was just an accident. It was all, yep, it's all chance. I mean, the universe is a chance. I wasn't even in top 10% of my class, Mm. which is always like the big marker. I I was so mad during graduation because everyone who was in the top 10% got to wear this, this freaking stupid honor. A sash. A sash, yeah, it it said honor on it. Yeah, because I didn't, I wasn't good enough. Mad at yourself. Yeah, I was mad at myself. Should have leaned all the way into that emotion. Said he probably just pushed it aside like you were taught to do. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I did. It's lame, honestly, dude. It's very lame. 
You know what's even lamer though is all my thoughts were, were given to me. I mean, I, I don't have anything creative or original. Every value system, every knowledge structure, every argumentative format, it's all taught to me. Lesson number six. Who you are is a product of what society wanted you to be. And when you realize that, you'll know that you're not even a real person because nothing about you is unique or original. And so when you realize that you're not even a real person, that's the key. And that's the, that's why you should hate yourself is because you are no self. Why do humans have the ability to feel emotions other than happiness? Why have we evolved to feel sadness, pain, misery, frustration, anger, regret? Because those are the optimal emotions. Right. Happiness is a thing. Happiness is a hedonistic, animalistic feeling. It's like walking up to a canvas and you're about to paint a picture and happiness is black, but you have this whole palette full of colors and you just decide to use black. So I do think I have sort of parts of that, that like desire to not want to be liked. And I think it manifests itself subconsciously. Um, this girl hit me up. I haven't talked to her since freshman year and I didn't like her at all. I thought she was like just really annoying that's kind of weird that she hit you up and you hadn't talked to her in three years. So weird. I was thrown off by it. You don't want to let that lead to an accidental dopamine rush. Lesson number seven. Whenever I get a message like that, not to go too off track, is I immediately think this person needs something from me. This right. person doesn't want to catch up. This person doesn't want to hang out. They just need something. So anyway, yeah, continue. So she hit me up with no real apparent goal in mind. She wanted to meet up and I entertained it. Because, you know, what's better than entertaining it and then not actually doing it? It got to the day that we had planned to meet up. And she said, I'm going to be on a boat for a while. I'll text you when I get off. And at about three o'clock, she said, I'm going to be on the boat for the rest of the day. Sorry. So she did all the work and essentially let herself down. And she didn't try to reschedule? No, she didn't. She probably just realized that you weren't enough for her. And so that's what you need to focus on. That's exactly what it was. It must have been, right? Because if she really wanted to meet up, I mean, there's plenty Who's of... Who's going to be on a boat all day? Right. And there's plenty of hours in the day. No, she just didn't want to see it. Or maybe she canceled because she thought that she wasn't good enough for you. And and the great thing yeah. about this is the truth is irrelevant. It's right. all about what is going to further your self-hatred. What narrative can you give for yourself that furthers your self-hatred? And whatever that is, regardless of the truth, is what you need to subscribe to. There is one truth... A lot of people talk about the soul of the universe, right? The soul of the universe is everyone's individual self-hatred added up. And so the truth is whatever feeds the soul of the universe. Is this a new religion we're forming? This is like the new Scientology? No, because we don't have the capacity to form a new religion. In order to form right. a new religion, you need to be charismatic. And we're not charismatic. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That was Get a... that idea out of your head. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Yeah. Like all my ideas. What happens if it blows up? What happens if the podcast blows up? Everyone loves it. I think if it does blow up, it's not because of me. It's not because I have talent. It's not because I'm special. I mean, stupid right. videos go viral all the time on YouTube for no reason. Charlie bit my finger. Whatever happened to right. these guys? It was a fluke. The one video yeah. got successful. They made a little bit of money and they moved on. So right. in the off chance that one of these podcast episodes actually does become successful, just an accident, man. Just an accident. I think it's a solid plan because you're not going to fall into any traps of, oh, I finally achieved something and things are finally starting. Like things are finally going to go good for me now because that's when you let yourself down. You know, I don't have any hobbies anymore except fishing. But you know why I love fishing? Because you always strike out. There's no guarantee that anything's going to happen. And if God wants you to catch a fish, it'll happen. You need something to remove the 
personal responsibility from all your achievements. Right. There is all the point in putting responsibility on your personal failures. Lesson number eight. Oh, for sure. You are responsible for all your own failures and none of your achievements. For me, I think over this year off, I'm taking a year off from college, I want to pursue a bunch of projects. Like I'm writing a book, I'm starting this podcast. Projects? Yeah. What makes you think you could do projects? Deep down, I know that they're all going to fail. It's like when you're exercising, right? You have bulking cycles and cutting cycles. This is like my happiness cycle. I'm building myself up. I'm deluding myself into thinking that I'm making progress with the book. I'm I'm making an app. I'm making progress with the app. It's going to be the next Spotify, whatever. Continue to delude myself. Continue to build these fantastical visions that have no basis in reality and then let myself go. When they fail, when I get rejected from investors or publishers who nobody listens to the podcast, the goal is I'll sink into a really deep and inescapable cycle of self-hatred. Why do you think it's so bad that people want to start things immediately when they conceive of it? Why is it that we're not allowed to be bored for a little bit? As soon as we have an idea to start something, we have to do it right away. I think when people are bored, when people aren't working on a passion project, like starting a club or a business or even a relationship, they run the risk of rumination and rumination can lead to self-hatred, which obviously we realize that that's the goal. But for a lot of people, rumination leads to sadness, which is something they're trying to avoid. But for us, boredom is key because it gives us ample time to reflect on all the terrible aspects of ourselves. People say meditation is great because it allows you to control your thoughts. Absolutely. You want to make sure that every single thought that pops into your brain is negative. What's so bad about positive thoughts? There was a guy who once said, the best piece of artwork that you can create in your lifetime is your picture of reality. It's not just about thought. It's about how your thought can contribute to building your reality. You know, they always say positive thinking manifestation. If you continue to think about something positive, those things will manifest into reality. So that's why positive thinking is such a danger. Positive thinking is a disease. Yeah. It's a disease, man. I absolutely believe that. I absolutely believe that. What about physical exercise? Because as you probably know, that releases endorphins. Oh, fuck endorphins. Let me tell you about endorphins. Yeah, I used to work out a lot because I like the endorphins. It would feel really good. And it would feel good to like go home and look in the mirror and be like, oh, I've lost 15 pounds. But where did that get me? I mean, really nowhere. I mean, it was just this constant loop of, oh, I look better. Oh, I look better. Oh, I look better. Well, now I just eat whatever the fuck I want. Bagel in the morning, pizza at night, ice cream at 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is that body and mind are connected. So when you start to treat your body poorly, Mm. your mind also starts to go downhill. I forgot about that because I only only think about it the positive way. I only think, oh, if you do good things for your body, you'll start thinking positively. But I forget that it's also it's also negative. Yeah, you can have all the negative thoughts in the world. But if you're continuing to exercise and eat healthy, you're limiting yourself. I want to touch on something you said earlier. You mentioned that you have an inability to start anything that you want to set your mind to. You have an idea for a business, a project, whatever. That's a quality that a lot of young people don't have. We're filled with this youthful passion. So for you to not have that at 21 years old is incredible. Can you give an example of a time that you wanted to start something and you just pushed past those passionate, excited feelings? Yeah. So for my first two years in college, I worked for College Fine doing college admissions consulting and I loved doing it. It was almost like a passion. And 
I was convinced that I could start my own version of a college consulting firm. I thought I was like somewhat good at it. I remember having a long conversation with my mom about how I was going to do this. And she was so encouraging to me, right? She was like, you need to do this. You sound so passionate about it. You sound like you know how you, how you could do it. I don't think there's a lot of things I could figure out on my own. But I felt like this was one of them. The number one problem is, of course, that you overestimated your own abilities. Of course. I mean, it, it was so incredibly difficult to do. I mean, there were legal problems. There was problems of how do I get clients. So at what point did you decide not to pursue this? I just didn't want to be a prick. I just didn't want to. I don't know. I didn't want to be that guy who actually did something because I hate those guys. Just take your classes, put your head down, smoke cigarettes, get drunk on the weekends and do it all over again the next week. <laughs> yep, that's all I'm doing. People sometimes hate the things that they love the most. Because of that, I think a little bit of self-hate here or there is fine. The danger is when the self-hate becomes so overwhelming that you end up becoming indifferent to yourself and the world. Those are the guys you need to watch out for. Because when you're indifferent to yourself, you have nothing to lose. But anyway, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Until next time.